FSR, it's an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Thanksgiving Day Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, that is... James Davis. And we are here with a game-by-game breakdown of the Week 13 NFL slate. And buddy, we're recording this Thanksgiving morning. I'm only saying that because just find another place that's just like up Thanksgiving morning... You know, not, that doesn't work at a grocery store or something like that. That's just out grind, gr- grinding work, right? Like, I'm just kind of like patting. I was going to say, I worked I worked on Thanksgiving once about 21 years ago. Uh, the local shop right in East Windsor, New Jersey. Yeah. But this, since, uh, I didn't do it a lot since until we uh, created this business. Well, you sound as excited as I can, could, we could possibly be here. So we're going to go. We're gonna, I'm smiling. <laughs> and you, can, you can't hear my smile. I can hear your smile. Um, we're going to roll through the game by game uh, for week 13 on the main slate. We did do. A Thanksgiving Day, uh, in lieu of a cash game podcast this week, we did a Thanksgiving Day slate. Uh, so we'll nod to the cash game plays for this week. And I think it's actually some of we're going to see a lot of chalk, although I've been wrong about this before because I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, we'll talk about a little bit about chalk plays and stuff like that that we saw from week 12, which continued to be not the, the, the ownership percentages. And we're going to roll game by game here, but the ownership percentages, I don't want to say they continue to be vexing to me because that would make it seem like I don't know what's going on. I do feel like I know what's going on. I I do feel like there's been some odd ownership stuff this season that I want to get your opinion on that makes sort of sense to me, but like the numbers ultimately don't make sense to me. And I guess um, I was, it was specifically around Matt Ryan and Julio. I, do we want to get into an ownership discussion here or is it just kind of roll game by game? Because that maybe, I mean, maybe it's just like a too deep of a discussion to to really break down in like a meaningful way. But like I saw the, the when, you know, Julio and, and Matt Ryan are like 90% owned in cash. It makes sense that they're good plays. Like the, the, the numbers are so high. Like we play Baker and Odell and Nick Chubb. Like we played, we stacked Browns last week and easily cash like everywhere. It was like one of our best weeks because the chalk failed. But do you, do you have like a, just like a general opinion on some of this ownership stuff or, or, or is it like just too deep of a thing? We might just like need to do a separate podcast about it. Like I, I, it's like, I do find some of these numbers to be a little bit weird. Yeah, well, I think there's a few different prevailing theories and it's really hard to know which are which. One is that there are just so few ca- super casual DFS players these days that the best plays will rise to the top. That's kind of what... Uh, what the Twitterverse for DFS is putting out there as the likely answer, that some of these plays are just so obvious, Doug, that of course anyone who's sensible will wind up with 80 per, you know, 80% of the field, if they're sensible, will wind up with Julio Jones or whatever. Um, I reject that theory because we don't always have the, <laughs> the most obvious guys, and we've been doing this very seriously for six years, and the idea that those plays are that obvious, that even like the like, you could argue that we're not the best, like, that we're not better than Chipotle Addict or whatever, but we're certainly better than the random people that have been playing for a year and play once a week, you know? Right. Like, we're going to be more educated, we're going to be more on top of things, and I think it's it's silly to suggest that these plays are so obvious that, of course, everyone would make them, uh, which leads me to the next point, which I think is probably the most balanced and most likely, which is that while there aren't super casual people building lineups with no outside resources, that many of the people playing are using the same resources, reading the same articles, mm-hmm. and using the same lineup optimizers, and that will lead to that, um, you know, sort of, tra- not a tragedy of the commons, but that group thing, that hive mind, where, you know, if you're, and especially, and we know this from the past too, like we've licensed out our projections to other outfits in the distant past. We don't do that anymore, but um, when we were licensing out our projections to other people, that can really start to make things move, right? Um, 
Right. And I think that's probably the most likely that these people are just using the same resources. And then I think there's some more conspiratorial mind where people are like, well, it's actually just that Chipotle addict has 16 accounts and he plays $5 million a night. I don't think that's the case personally. Um, I don't think any small group of lineup sharing people would be able to move the lines by that amount if they are like DFS is in serious trouble. But if that were the case, I feel like we would have trouble winning in that case. And we don't. So, um, like, because if Chipotle addict were really putting in 80% of the lineups, like we, we would probably lose, but yeah. So, uh, I don't think it's some big mega conglomerate that's, that's jamming all that money. Um, I think they're probably accounting for a decent amount, way more than mm, maybe is optimal for the ecosystem as a whole. But no, I don't think it's some big conspiracy that doesn't really add up either. Yeah. Okay. I, that, that, that's kind of what I was looking for. I thought it was pretty succinct and like, uh, yeah, well, there you go. There you, um, I, I don't think there's a one perfect answer. And I think that you kind of, yeah, I think you, I don't know, I'm, I'm stumbling because that was such a good answer. I'm just, I'm, I'm rarely shocked by something you would, Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I'm really floored by something you would say. I mean, I, I, and you know, I, I hate giving out compliments, but um, that was good. Okay. Let's, uh, let's roll through game by game. Well, not some of the cash game plays. That cash game article is going up today. Despite what James said off the air, I did already write the cash game article. I just haven't hit publish on it yet. This isn't like the thing where like the professor uh, is asking for the paper and I'm giving an excuse. I'm going to post the I'll post the, the the cash game article today after the uh, after the Thanksgiving Day games go off. Let's roll through some of these games. San Francisco goes in and plays Baltimore. This is, um, you know, t- in terms of like kind of appointment television for football terms, this one really probably ranks up there. The Niners and the Baltimore are about the two best teams, two of the two of the you know top four best teams in football right now, if not if not higher than that. Baltimore is a six point favorite. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson's a guy that we've wanted to play in cash almost every week that he's been on the main slate. Um, I'm just not sure this is the one against really one of the best defenses in football in the San Francisco 49ers. They're second in DVOA only to the uh, Patriots. Give me your thoughts on this game. Yeah, and it's worth noting, too, that not only are they second in DVOA, but the difference between them and Pittsburgh, who right now ranks third in total defensive DVOA, is the same as Pittsburgh and like the, the, the yeah. 18th overall right. team. Yeah, like you have, to go, you have to go so, really far down. You have to go really far down to get the same difference. Yeah. Like it's, it's, so you're looking at... Uh, a big cluster of strong defensive teams and Pittsburgh is still like pretty significant. I mean, the difference between Pittsburgh and fourth place is like, you know, the difference between fourth place and ninth place. Right. So you get this sort of exponential bell curve effect at the end. And um, yeah, with San Francisco being one of those teams on the top of the parabola, I don't think you want to be running uh, a guy who will be, even though Jackson will be responsible for most of the Baltimore offense here. I don't know that you want to pay what amounts to an all-time high price for him in this matchup. I mean, he's been great, the best DFS player of the season. But you, I don't think he's quite on that level on this price tag where you can just play him no matter who is suiting up on the other sideline. So uh, I'd rather not. I think it, I think if people hate it too much, um, then he makes an interesting big tournament target because and you can play him all by himself and you know potentially get there. You could argue that he'll be scrambling. But Baltimore doesn't exactly need this game either, so... I don't know that they're just going to let him go 
18 carries against a defense like this either. Yeah, like, so. look, this is the second and fourth ranked DVOA defenses. This is not where you want to be when the prices are pretty efficient on everybody in the yeah. game. You can't play anyone on the ball, those for San Francisco running game. They just, that that's never, it's never going to be an option with the way they do things. The passing game, you have Kittle, who, you know, came back and looked every bit the best tight end in football, if not like, you know, top two best tight ends in football, six for six for 129 and a touch last week. But after him, it's very hard to trust the rest of the target tree um, for the wide receiver. So, I think, like, from that point of view, you can write off the Niners. And then, like you said, it, it's just, this is a, it, it, you just don't have to do it on a big slate. Like, don't run a guy into a great, into one of the great defenses um, if you don't have to. And I will say, right. too, one thing to keep an eye on, not something I really follow um, outside of just sort of like tangentially making, you know, checking on this stuff, but the Ravens did lose their starting center, Matt Skira. And people that understand film that are a lot smarter than me feel like this is a pretty big deal for the Ravens. Um, so mm -hmm. just something to keep an eye on that he's been maybe their most valuable offensive lineman this year on a team that like probably needs their offensive line more than anybody else, specifically around the spot with the way they lose Lamar. Uh, use Lamar. So uh, it's just something to keep an eye on. Like I said, like that's, this is, I'm quoting other people on this stuff. I don't follow offense and defensive lines, all this stuff, all that much, but this one was something that people wanted to make sort of a big deal about. Tampa Bay goes in and plays Jacksonville coming off of another Jameis style week where he just, you know, throws for a lot of yards, throws for a lot of interceptions, throws for a lot of touchdowns. I don't really know what to do with this guy at this point. Like he, the guy just gets scores points every week and like no sort of no, no matter what happens with him. Um, and some of these picks that he throws, like he got, I watched more, more, more of this game than I probably should have, but he could add more interceptions <laughs> than actually landed in the yeah. in the opponent's hands. What do we want to do here with Tampa Bay, uh, specifically Jameis and their wide receivers, and then we'll talk uh, your boy Leonard Fournette, uh, uh, obviously going, going the other way. <laughs> yeah, I think Jameis and his wide receiver core are always interesting big tournament targets. Um, I like Simmons's take that Jameis is the second most exciting player in football because you just don't know if it's going to go into Godwin's hands for an 80-yard touchdown or just directly into the hands of an opposing <laughs> linebacker with no one else from his team even around. So I think that is a that is a strong Jameis-related take. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that it's where we're going to wind up for cash games. Jacksonville is a pretty reasonable defense in their own right. Uh, Godwin and Evans continue to do their sort of your turn, my turn thing, which doesn't really make sense, or like at least Jameis is doing the your turn, my turn right. thing with them. And I don't know that you can, if, you, if you're nervous about being able to guess right on them, that's probably not where you need to be uh, on a main slate here. Like, it's not like the Thanksgiving Day slate, which we'll be watching later today, where if it's only Julio at this price point, you just play him. Um, I think given the other options that we have available to us today, we probably don't need to jam it here. Yeah, uh, I think I generally agree with that take. I, you have to, it's almost impossible to play in cash, the wide receivers, just because, like you said, they, they do do in every other kind of game, game sort of thing in a way that, there's seems to be almost no rhyme or reason to it, especially when you look at coverages and stuff like that. Like it doesn't like, and even like if you watch Goblin's first touchdown, he, he's great. And that really probably should have been like a 20 yard gain that ended up being like a 70 yard touchdown. Cause he broke a tackle and look, he's good. So he can do that. But this is just seems to be the kind of thing that happens with this team. And then all of a sudden that's like all the points land in one guy's basket uh, on the Fournette side. Kudos to you. You really wanted to play Fournette in cash last week. Uh, I was not as into it. Um, and, even with the coach speak thing from Doug Marone that said, we got to get this guy more involved. Cause I just like never trust that crap. Like I, I, I get, they all kind of mean it maybe. And they're not lying. They pass a lie detector test and whatever coaches say about what the plan is. I just doesn't really mean anything to me usually because there's well, a, no incentive to actually give your actual plan for a player <laughs> out to the other teams before, <laughs> like, like uh, before the game. And most of it's just to kind of, I don't know, 
say something for the pl- the player's sake, not really what you're. Well, asking. yeah, the bigger thing with Fournette though is that there was there was evidence that that is what Jacksonville wanted to do in normal game scripts and two really weird games against Indy and Houston. Uh, where Fournette touched the ball fewer than 20 times, but we knew that when Jacksonville was in games, the re- the more reasonable amount of touches for him was like 26 to 32, and if he blew the doors off that against Tennessee, touching the ball or having 36 plays drawn up for him, yeah. only actually touched the ball 33 times. But um, not that I, I think you should expect that on a week in week out basis, but we just know that Jacksonville is not excited about the passing game. I don't really know what it is they're playing for. They're up to four and seven now, so like. They're not making the playoffs. I don't know why they need to. If they think Fournette's their best player, like why he needs to touch the ball 36 times a game. But, you know, this is what dumb teams do sometimes. And Jacksonville being one of the dumb teams, I think we have to understand that this actually is the plan going forward. Yeah, so um, does he feel like a cash game lock to you? He's in um, He's in our fan. He's in 100% of FanDuel lineups right now. It's a little closer on DraftKings where um, we're going to get to Christian McCaffrey here in a little bit. I, it feels like he might only be able to choose only one of these guys. That might not be the case, but um, he's 7,500 on DraftKings. Does he feel like a cash game lock to you um, in in a way that, like, kind of set it and forget it and move on? I feel like he'll be massive chalk on, on FanDuel at 7,600. It's a little closer to me on DraftKings. He probably will. I mean, it's a little weird playing 10% extra for him, basically because his touchdown luck finally rounded into shape. Uh, you know, with last week punching in two touchdowns. And actually, literally what I called on the podcast was that he would triple his total touchdowns on the season. He did. Yeah. He went from one touchdowns to three at the end of this game. Uh, knowing that he he will score the touchdowns for them, um, I think obviously sweetens the deal on some level. It is kind of weird, like, because Tampa Bay, at least by DVOA standards, has been a better run defense than Tennessee's, yeah. who's already pretty good. But given what he did against Tennessee, who has similar DVOA numbers, or at least did before he ran rough shot all over them uh, i think you could probably get away with it here and yeah i wouldn't be surprised to see him at very high ownership too. And by the way like he had 12 targets six to five to six targets is good enough for his projection to have him in cash games. Oh, yeah. so like so you're not like the 12 targets is is above and beyond any reasonable expectation the call of duty, yeah. yeah um but sure. uh, after that though real quick on the passing game though because you mentioned the, the funnel defense piece of this uh chris conley and dd westbrook both saw nine targets last week after Fournette's 12 dd is a guy that we've wanted to you know consider in cash especially with him coming back from injury and now they have Foles back um where do we want to land on his like his relative target share because both he and conley are decent prices here uh chark had been the guy that was the, the heavy target but that swapped back out uh in week 12 uh thoughts real quick on the passing game there yeah i i haven't really been able to pin this one down very well uh the fact that shark goes from 15 targets against indy to six in this game leads me to believe that we can probably just do better at the same price point I don't think you want to be in the market for any Chris Conley. While the targets have been occasionally there, you know, eight to nine targets, he doesn't really ever do anything with those that you'd get too excited about unless he happens to sneak in for a touchdown. Uh, The conversion rate is not exceptional. The yardage on the catches he does make is not exceptional. So I don't really think that's where you want to land. Uh, D.D. Westbrook's forgotten man right now. Uh, Rip to him being like the whatever he was, 80% owned in week one or something. Well, like he went that. he went eight um, for nine for 69 yards last week. So he's like, he does... He, he did, but like, he just, he's had one game, good game on this price all season. Understanding that Minshew was in there for a while, but yeah, I get the targets. Yeah, that's true. I, the target share was there. I don't know. Is that a play that you want to run out there he's in cash? T- I guess, it, well, so the, I'm t- let, let me talk myself into this for a second. If Tampa Bay is one of those funnel defenses... Maybe Jacksonville does have to pass a little bit more this week. 
But if they do, is Westbrook even always going to be the guy? Like, we know that Shark the prior week had the 14 targets, right? Yeah. So does Westbrook have to get nine targets a week? I don't think so. Like, I think they're happy just to give him five or six targets, too. I, th- I think they see all three of these guys as interchangeable, and Westbrook is sort of priced like an interchangeable right. Yeah, I think I think that, that last piece is the is the is the kind of gets home on the point is that there is the, the fact that the three of them exist and Fournette gets a lot of touches and that in the end is one guy too many, right? Like and that's and that's like so it's like the difference between Carolina that's like, okay, it's basically just Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore, right? Like th- those are the targets. It's the fact that this one and one and a half more guys exist in terms of targets. That's the problem that's the problem that makes it a little bit a little bit more of a bridge too far from a cash game perspective. Okay, Jets go mm-hmm. in and play the Bengals here. <laughs> well, the Jets, uh, I don't really know what to do with this team. This is like They're getting a great matchup here against the Bengals. Um, Le'Veon Bell has basically become, he's no longer an every down back. They're kind of sprinkling Bilal Powell in there. The wide receiver uh, target share is all over the place with Crowder and Anderson and Demarius Thomas. Uh, and then on the, the Cincinnati side, they are going to start Andy Dalton again. So the Ryan Finley thing was like, well, that didn't work. And not like any, anyone should have expected it to work, I don't think. But um, Bengals are going back to Andy Dalton here. Uh, any thoughts from a DFS perspective on a big slate? I, I just don't know if this game is where we want to be. And then maybe you can throw out a Joe Mixon take here, too. Uh, thoughts on this game? <laughs> yeah, Mixon, I think he's funny. He's like a, the Leonard Fournette of the Midwest. Um, it doesn't matter what the game script is. They're just going to give Mixon... Well, not the 33 touches he had against Baltimore, but like around 18 touches. And I don't think that gets him there on FanDuel, but on DraftKings, I don't know. Like, right. It doesn't seem outrageous. Um, what are your thoughts on just the Jets as a football story this season? Um, Three-game winning streak now. They've just had some really good games against tough opponents. Like the the Raiders were like playoff hopeful. The Jets go in there and beat them by 30 points. Like... Are you uh are you believing? Are you buying Jets hype, well, dude? The, going the, forward, the, buying the Jets stuff. There's, there, you have well, first of all, the, the, two things. One, Jamal Adams got into the f- most hilarious Twitter war ever with the, uh, Dave, yeah, Dave, David and Derek Carr's brother, who's the teacher, and just like the guy's like just like yeah. inspirational football coach, like in California. And Adams just dumpstered him for being a teacher, and I'm laughing about it because I used to be a teacher, so I feel like it's okay for me to laugh at the guy making fun of the teacher. So I'm just before anyone wants to jump, he gives him the Marlowe treatment oh, from the wire. He does. Is really what it reminded me. He, of, he just tells like, him to enjoy it. He's the guy's talking about being. <laughs> inspirational having a hard thing and he's just telling him to just enjoy his week off and get back to the classroom or something that was so great i i, I was dying well the first time i was hey you probably shouldn't be arguing with me about this you got school tomorrow <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it is it was so great that's what anyway, i know that's not your question um you know the jets kind of did get unlucky they, they it's easy to remember they are easy to forget they were without sam darnold who's like you know their most valuable player um for sure. a, multiple weeks in, in the season and you just lose your starting quarterback who's I guess, depending on what your take on Darnold is, he's probably an above-average quarterback, all things considered. And so losing him is just is going to be a problem. It's probably going to be too little, too late on them. It's good to know that they're probably really trying. I just don't, like, from a DFS perspective, really know what to do with their opportunity, right? Like, it's just kind of all over the place. I don't want right. to play Darnold, really, um, although he's probably not the— I don't want to play Le'Veon Bell. You're right, you don't want to play Bell because the, the, they're just going the opposite direction with his touches. So I think that's mostly— kind of where I, where I land with the Jets. It's just like not a place I want to be. And I also understand that Cincinnati is one of the best matchups you can get here. They're one of the worst defenses in football. So it feels like there should be something that we want to touch into here, but I just don't know. I think you could look at Darnold on a big tournament standpoint. Like he's been really good on this price the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know that we've seen enough to want to, like he's not going to contest the very best other plays at the position for me this week. But 
like for cash game purposes, but I think for big tournaments, he's certainly interesting. Um, and one thing real quick on the Cincinnati side it, that's probably just worth mentioning is Tyler Boyd was a guy that we kind of wanted to play um, as a big target guy when Dalton was the quarterback, and then they switched out and you just really couldn't do it anymore. There probably is a case to bring – I mean, Dalton was bad, don't get me wrong, but like Boyd was is like a 9-10 to 10 kind of target guy when Dalton is around, and I just don't mm-hmm. know. And the Jets are a good, de- a decent defense, so it's maybe not the place here, but they are worse against the pass. So he was another guy on my list of, like, guys to sort of talk about going into Sunday about, like, where do we want to land on the other board? Because I had really guided down the Cincinnati projections across the board when they switched quarterbacks, and I'm just not sure if, like, bringing it all back up is the place to be here with Dalton. So anyway, that's something, if you're, if you're in our members-only chat on Sunday, I think that's Boyd is Boyd and Didi. There's a couple, I have a list of guys that I kind of want to just get final thoughts on. He's Boyd was definitely one of those guys. All right, let's uh, let's keep rolling through some of these games. Philly goes in and plays Miami. I wrote a Carson Wentz as the cash game. Uh, they're nine and a half point favorites here. I, do, I wrote Wentz as like the easy, I can't believe I'm saying this, the easy cash mm-hmm. game play here <laughs> for for. I, calling Carson Wentz the easy play is like feels like it, it's like oh are they playing like a Pop Warner team like that, that's really the only situation I would consider but Miami does feel like that nine and a half point road favorites here kind of getting the wide receiver group a little healthier though Ertz did sit out practice last week or during this week um, thoughts here on just rocking Carson Wentz in all cash games here against Miami sort of on the same like we did it with Baker last week and it worked out um, can we just roll back the because mostly on the back of the of the opponent here. Right. So generally speaking, I would look at like I, I think sometimes people go too far with the whole matchup thing. Yeah, I, I think matchups are important and underlying skill set, I still think is more important. That being said, if you look at Wentz's schedule, football is weird this way, right? Where we look at something like basketball and a weird six game stretch of like road games, the toughest defenses, like you would never look at LeBron and be like, Oh, does LeBron suck now because he had a hard game against Utah? You'd be like, oh, Utah's just play, play slow. Right. They have good defenders. They have Rudy Gobert down there. That causes problems. And with NFL, I feel like we just have these, since we only get to play one game a week, it plays this trick on our mind where we think that that, isn't, that, that six weeks, eight weeks is a much bigger sample size than we would ever consider six or eight games to be in any other sport. So that huge disclaimer in mind, I'd just love to look at Wentz's schedule in the last seven weeks so he's got seattle which was a good matchup he didn't do a whole lot wasn't miami but it was good then he's got new england historically great defense and then after that he's got chicago which top top uh, four top five defense i think yeah i'll I'll read out the teams and you can give me the dvoa baltimore top four the jets top top five sneakily um buffalo it's nine they're nine nine right (laughs) uh minnesota ten yeah yeah, well, and then he's Dallas is the other one. Um, Dallas is... 19th, 19th. Yeah, they're 19th. Okay, so they're, they're further down than I thought they would be. But that's that's rough. That's a really... Like, if your best matchup in nine weeks is the 19th best defense and you've basically placed everyone else in the top 10, I think you can give him a little bit of a, pa- of a pass. And so what you get here is when, when the stretch is that long, the price naturally comes down because the performance hasn't been there. And even still, on this price, he's basically been a value on the season. So I think if you add all that together, plug him in for his best matchup, I think it does make sense. I understand why it will not feel good to press plus next to his name and slot him into your cash games on a, a relatively large slate here. But I do think ultimately, like, I, I don't, I'm not as ready as you are to say, like, it's a lock. We'll definitely play him in every format. But I think it's, 
I think it's a good, a very good play, and certainly in the top like a couple plays that I'm considering. This and week. by the way, what you just, what you just said about Wentz was like almost like a one for one case that we made for Baker last week, right? Was it's almost the exact yeah. same thing. It's like almost the exact same schedule, like in terms of like who they played. Is that we said this with Baker? It's like this guy has played every top ten defense this year, and he's been terrible, and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And this is where you kind of actually, in some ways, should rely a little bit more on your preseason projections for a player. Even this, mm. even this late in the season, because yep. if there's no health issues, I totally because agree. those pre, those preseason numbers were like you know based on like a neutral schedule, let's say you know, or maybe like you know you feathered in some scheduling stuff for sure. But in general, it's why you don't go whole hog on this year's stats even this late in it because you need to make up for the piece where the guy has just played a much harder schedule than anybody else in football, right? Same with Baker. And by the way, this, this, this helped us in a way that didn't seem to help anybody else in a way that I was like shocked about last week. It was like, no one played Baker Mayfield. Like I get that he's been bad. Did anyone just take two seconds and look who he's played this season? <laughs> you know what I mean? And no. then, and then like, and then look who they're playing this week, which is the dolphins who are so bad compared to the rest of the names. This is the exact same thing with Wentz. And is it going to work out perfectly? Like it did with Baker. I don't know. And it just has such a higher likelihood to do it that I just, I, I this is where I'm like, are we just like, this, this kind of speaks to. Well, just on balance, I think people adjust their priors way too often. Yes. I think that's one of the most common mistakes in DFS. And it's really what keeps us in the game, even as big money moves in and people play this Uber chalk all the time. I think people are too quick to say like, nope, this guy is different now. And people don't tend to just be different now. Like you, if you go to the gym out there, how often do you go from being able to lift 100 pounds to 150 pounds on whatever your exercise of choice is? Like it just takes time. And likewise, you don't really go from 150 to 100 either. Um, people tend to be who they are physically. And Wentz had three seasons of being something else. And now all of a sudden he's this thing, uh, even though he's not an age where most people would start deteriorating. Like, yeah, I, I don't buy it. I think, I think this is a very strong pick and I'm I'm getting more excited, buddy. This could be uh, this could be our edge. Okay, so Wentz, um, real quick, we'll just roll through the rest of these guys. Ertz uh, did sit out practice this week. He saw crazy again, crazy targets. Fourteen targets last week. They it looks like yeah. Alshon is going to play, and, and Nelson Aguilar is on track to play too. And they're still going to be without Deshaun Jackson, obviously. But those guys playing would probably lower my expectation on Ertz and Goddard specifically, who had 22 to- total targets between them last week. And then Greg Ward had seven. So I, I would really have to, you had to get rid of Greg Ward because he was like a practice guy, practice squad guy um, if those other two guys came back. So there's another one we'll talk about, just the, the Eagles um, target distribution going into Sunday because, uh, again, like Miami's just that good of a – uh, just that good of a, of a matchup here. Real quick thoughts. Real quick thoughts on Miles Sanders here. Miles Sanders played 64 of the 60, uh, 64 of the 73 offensive snaps last week. 12 carries, five targets. Uh, could you see running this? guy? He looks like very much like he's just the back, right? Like um, I know they have JJ, like, but he's only five. He's 5800 on DraftKings. Uh, quick Sanders thoughts. Oh yeah, this is one that's a little bit trickier for me because you know they brought a Jai in a Jai even without many reps, still did get those six carries against Seattle. And I would guess that he will be in line for more work going forward rather than less. And the fact that Sanders, even when it was all his, didn't really touch the ball as often as you would think. Like, up against some tough defenses for sure, but they they weren't necessarily game scripts, like especially the New England game, where like you would expect a team that had a plan, like this is our running back, this is going to be our central focus on how we're going to score points. Like you would have assumed that he would have touched the ball more often uh, than he did against New England and Chicago for that matter. So I don't know that I'm super bullish on Sanders. Again, excellent big tournament target. 
but for the purposes of our cash games, I just my I have this nagging feeling that we can do better here. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably where I said. By the way, I said fifty eight hundred on. It's fifty eight hundred on Fanduel, not DraftKings. Yeah. Um, I misquoted that price. I was looking at the wrong thing. Uh, regardless, he's another. He's interesting. Probably outside looking in when it's all things considered. And I do like the opportunity. I did write up Devontae Parker as a cash game play uh, on the Miami side. The guy just sees. He's just a top five target guy over the last like seven weeks or something like that. I get that he's on Miami. They're always losing. Uh, the targets seem pretty safe uh, just because. Again, they can't run the ball even a little bit. He's not the most efficient guy in the world, but at some point, this, the targets kind of just do win out. So I don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, I'm just interested in time. I'm just kind of moving forward here. Uh, I don't mind him. I'm not, not really all that interested in the rest of the passing game. I know Hearns did catch a touchdown last week, but uh, whatever. Okay. Uh, Cleveland. Oh, sorry. I went out of order on these games here. Uh, the next game we have is Washington and Carolina. Carolina, nine and a half point home favorites here. Christian McCaffrey in every lineup. I, I don't try to do the Cliff's notes here on McCaffrey, but uh, it, do we even need to stop and make the case for him because of the price? Or is this just like, I get that he's 11,000 and he's Christian McCaffrey and there's really no one safer in the game. You know what I mean? Like, what are your thoughts here on, on McCaffrey in terms of like, how much of just an absolute priority we need to make him, understanding that we're paying sort of like all-time DFS prices for a guy. I think it's fine to pay all-time DFS prices for the guy just because we've seen him do it time and time again all season long. Really only the very worst matchups can hold him down, and Washington just doesn't qualify in that category whatsoever. Uh, I think Carolina, I mean, Carolina losing three straight it makes it pretty tough to imagine what their playoff picture is going to be like, given that you have... Minnesota at eight and three, and Seattle at nine and two in the pole position for the wild cards. But given that it's not totally ruled out yet, I think you can run him out there for another week, and I think he'll have big tar- big targets, big carries, and he'll crush this terrible Washington defense. Yeah, I think I'm at the point now where I'm just like, I, I want to be correct in everyone's opportunity, obviously, and he's like the guy that's like, okay, if it's a difference of like 21 carries or 23 carries for his projection to be like in the top lineup, then you just have to be overly bullish on it because the difference in his expectations to the next closest guy is like, it's all calculable, but it's also one of those ones is like, but maybe it isn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe like, it's just like, mm. maybe he just is, he just is 40% safer than like the next closest guy. I know that's like a crazy number, but, and it's not, and our, and our projections do not say that that's the case. But, but they also don't say it's like 5% either. You know what I mean? So it's like, I just don't know at what point the carries are so safe and the targets are so safe um, and everything about him just means like, yeah, like this is just not your edge decision, right? Like this is not, you know, you're like, oh, do I want to pay up for like a slightly better wide receiver? Like, nah, I, I think at this point you just need to say his, his, and we've been preaching this basically all season with him. Um, and maybe this the, this slate brings it out too. I wrote out up DJ Moore. I like the price came up a little bit, dude. And this is another one. The DJ Moore. I was like, oh, this guy's gonna be like eighty percent owned. Nope, twelve percent owned in cash last week. Absolutely crushed. Uh, we played him, and he was another one. I looked at the ownership. I was like, oh, uh, what? <laughs> like this guy? <laughs> like he's like the ninth most expensive yeah. receiver. The guy's been a top four target guy for the last eight weeks. Like the price just doesn't move. Um, and just another week where he's good. Like I just don't. I've written the DJ Moore up seven straight weeks, and he's been basically... It's at the point where you could copy-paste, where you're like... I basically did. <laughs> like, going into that first... I think it was, like, after the Jacksonville game. <laughs> so yeah. this was an October 6th. And we were like, you know who's kind of a good play on a good price is DJ Moore. This guy got eight targets last week. And then he's just proceeded to average double-digit targets and, like, 100 yards receiving every week for two months in football. And FanDuel's like, eh, we'll make him 10% more expensive. That's great. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get thank, we'll get thank everybody else for the price not climbing even higher because no one, play, yeah, no one plays him. Like, no, no one played the guy. 12% owned in cash. Like, 
I, I hate to sound flummoxed here, but like this is just another example of like what's going on here. Like I the, again, like the the play when the plays work out, it's a lot easier to pat yourself on the back. But this is also one. This one wasn't even a close decision for me, right? Like Baker, we kind of talked about, right? Like we're like, okay, well, like, Matt Ryan's a good play, and there's some other guys. But this one was like, well, DJ Moore is just not the guy to think about. Let's just move on to like the rest of the lineup and see, and see where we land. And not ever, you know, 88% of people just couldn't see it the same way. It's crazy. Um, okay, so DJ Moore and McCaffrey, I think, are pretty much locks for us. The Redskins are mm-hmm. absolutely terrible. I think you can consider the Carolina defense here um, just because uh, the Redskins, again, I think we have, the, we have Carolina as the highest projected defense on this slate, and for good reason. Uh, it's a little expensive, so I, I usually like to make my concessions somewhere else, not, not – Paying up for defenses outside of maybe the Patriots at this point doesn't seem to make a ton of sense for me. Let's uh, real quick sponsor Vivid Seats app. If you're down, if you're going to uh, any games or concerts uh, anytime soon, it's like the holidays. You want to get someone a gift for the holidays. You're going to go you know, see a game. I'm assuming that most people that listen to this, their significant others, don't want to see a game as a gift, but maybe a concert or a play. Uh, Vivid Seats app is where you have to go. You use the promo code Overtime, O V E R T I M E, just like the podcast network we're on. That's going to automatically enroll you into the rewards program. So the more you use the app, the more rewards you get, like including you know, cash back and uh, different deals. And it's also going to give you up to $100 back on your first ticket purchase. Uh, but you have to use the promo code overtime to get that started. It's the easiest ticketing app that I've ever seen to use. It just shows you uh, exactly what the, the good deals are. shows you exactly what you're going to be seeing when you sit down in your seats in terms of just like, you know, uh, the field of vision and everything like that. Vivid Seats app. Download it. Use the promo code overtime. And you're good to go. All right, let's uh, keep rolling here. Tennessee goes in and plays Indianapolis. We're going to get an, at least one more week of no Marlon Mack. I don't know if that puts Jonathan Williams into the every lineup conversation. 6,800 on, Dra- on FanDuel, 5,300 on DraftKings. Um, where do we put him in the sort of just like the hierarchy of cash game plays? And are we able to just translate Marlon Mack's opportunity one-to-one for Williams here? Yeah, I think Williams is basically the exact kind of cash game running back we're looking for. Uh, sliding in for a guy who is more expensive than he is now, has been arguably as effective or even more effective than Mac was. Uh, he's getting all the touches. He's been very effective on those touches. Uh, getting the goal line carries. There's really nothing not to like about Jonathan Williams going into this week. He's basically like, like would we be considering Marlon Mack if Mack were getting more targets and... Right. was cheaper you know <laughs> the answer is yes we, we would be considering Marlon Mack in that scenario so uh not a super matchup with Tennessee but like we saw with Fournette last week not an unbeatable matchup either so I am happy to run Williams here he'll be in I would imagine all my cash game lineups unless something dramatically changes and he's also part of the James Davis's team which again locked up that playoff berth in the DFSR chatters season-long league so uh he's got that going for him as well which is nice your greatest accomplishment, my friend. Not the three kids, not the three kids, and not the not the poker career, and not the FSR. It's like not all those things are, are easy backseats to just sliding what in you, Ryan Fitzpatrick at just the right moment, getting those Rostwelly touchdowns. I I have really done it all, so I'm I'm proud of it, buddy. I'm sorry. If you want to hate, you can hate. All right. If I outlive you, I'll make sure that goes on. You're not going to have Okay. Well, I don't think you can say it definitively. I don't think it's likely, but I'm, I don't think you should be so. De- I don't think you should be so definitive about that. Okay. Close, it's close uh, but clear, as we like to say in the industry. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're both are solid plays, but this one's clearly better. But go ahead. Um, 
the other piece of injury news here for the Colts is that Eric Ebron had to put on injury reserve is out for the season. Jack Doyle was already seeing some decent targets, and they decent for a tight end. Um, and then they have Mo Ali Cox. I'm wondering your opinion because the the Colts in the past have been fine running these like two tight end sets. Like Doyle and Ebron were both sort of mm-hmm. featured in puts and quotes uh, in the passing game. I wonder how much. Like I think Doyle will see some ownership, rightfully so. But I'm actually wondering how much of the opportunity for Ebron really shouldn't go directly to Doyle like we would in the past, right? Of like another team, but maybe should go Mo Ali Cox's direction, especially like, this is a guy that's caught some touchdowns in the past too. And I get that his full season numbers are going to look bad, but that's because they had Ebron and Doyle there already, right? But now this one guy is just completely gone. And that, by the way, this guy was first on the team in targets in, in terms of Ebron. Um, always tied with Hilton, but and Hilton played a lot less games. But anyway, what are your thoughts here on the tight end situation for Indianapolis? So I, I think you're right about the splitting targets and time in the past, but I also think that's just because they like these two players. Like, I don't think it's similar to the Atlanta running back situation, right, where they're like, no matter what, we're not going to make anyone a true RB1. The Colts have shown a tendency to just put the ball in one guy's hands in the past, but I think with both Doyle, Doyle and Ebron, uh, especially with some of Ebron's health issues, I think they've wanted to keep Doyle warm, too. So I think with Ebron going down, I don't think they're going to be like, eh, we'll just bring in another tight end. I think it'll be Doyle, um, and I think he, for that reason, represents, at the very least, a great big tournament play, and I can see the argument in cash games, too. I mean, ultimately, I think paying up for Ertz probably is just fine. I think Ertz is cheaper than than what you would need to pay to get a wide receiver with similar track record, but I think Doyle... Like, if there were no Ertz this week, I think Doyle would be a very good tight end play for us. Yeah, I think that pretty much. Uh, I, I think I'm with you. And Doyle, like, Cox is, is more of a DraftKings thing where it's 2,500. Like, Doyle and Cox on DraftKings are a combined 5,800. And I think that does actually represent, on a week where it's like, if you really want to prioritize a 10-5 Christian McCaffrey, then that Moali Cox 2,500 does start to look pretty attractive, right? Even though I get that it's very speculative. And Doyle at 3,300 probably is just like a lock play, might, would be my guess, right? Like, um, just because that's just so cheap. So uh, it's really there where I'm looking at where the where the tight end pricing inefficiency or difference is much starker than it is on FanDuel. I think that's where I'm like, I could maybe talk myself into it on a wing and a prayer. Uh, but we'll kind of, that's another one we'll talk about going into this week. Uh, on the other side of the ball, uh, Tennessee, just Derrick Henry, um, just the guy, I don't know. Like, I'm I, not a guy that we've really played in DFS in general, but I'm wondering your thoughts here because the guy just does touch the ball. Like, people th- thought of him as a cash game play and going into last week, and he got crushed again. I know there are underdogs here. Decent total here, 43 and a half. Quick thoughts on Tennessee. Uh, Henry's too expensive for what you're going to get from him, which is around 19 to 23 carries, one or two targets. Uh, the price is inflated now as a result of. I think great touchdown luck. I mean, six touchdowns in the last three weeks. I don't think you can just count on that, pencil him in for that going forward. He does have some really explosive runs on the season and has turned into one of the more exciting guys to watch once he actually has the ball in his hands. I'm sort of curious as to why they can't train him or use him to catch balls out of the backfield because actually people tend to go for more explosive big plays um, you know, and spread out a little further and catching the ball further away from the defensive players. But... Um, you know, I don't know. Tennessee doesn't have the reputation for being the most well-coached team in the world either. So right. uh, who knows? But I'm not going to pay 8600 for Henry. That's that's absurd. I wouldn't even consider it. And I don't think the passing game. There's like just good luck. Figure nope. they don't they throw the, they don't throw the ball enough. So I don't think you can really consider. It. 
Green Bay goes in and plays the Giants six and a half point road favorites here against New York. I wrote up Devontae Adams as a catch yeah. play. He's he's just mispriced um, on yep. pretty much both sites, specifically on on uh, which was oh yeah no specifically on DraftKings at seven thousand. Like I, this is just a misprice. I don't think I think this one is to me is sort of set it and forget it um, in a way that you know it's not exactly like DJ Moore. Although he's only two hundred more than DJ Moore. He got twelve targets last week. I guess they they weren't that good, but he stepped right back into just being the huge target guy that we've come to see from him. And it's just injuries of what's of what really, you know, sidetracked him this season. Oh, are you with me on this one on the Adams thing? Like this one seems, this one was a pretty easy case to make. And I just don't see getting away from him in cash. I think Adams is a phenomenal play. I think that like some of the other guys we've discussed, he had this confluence of issues that sort of led to him being priced the way he is. So obviously he was hurt for most of the season. Uh, the toe injury was real. Uh, comes back for the Chargers game, gets 11 targets, not super effective. Going into the Carolina game, there was a quote from him where he said, yeah, I feel like myself now, like the toe. I'm listed on the injury report, but I'm fine. Uh, Carolina and San Francisco, like we've already talked about San Francisco's defensive prowess. Carolina against the pass this season, they're they're eighth in DVOA against the pass, so not a slouch uh, when it comes to defending opposing wide receivers. And we have a very small sample size to work with of Adams both being back and being healthy. We know that he's going to be targeted double-digit times. He's 10% cheaper than he's been in the past. No other big-name wide receivers are. I love Adams this week. I, I I don't think I can be talked off playing him unless there's some big change to his health status. Yeah, it's a little closer on FanDuel at 8,000, and I'm still probably just going to be fine going. Definitely. There, right? like it's, totally fine. Like, and and the, like I said, the 7,000 on DraftKings is like, okay, just figure out what the rest take of the Take my money. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> so uh, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, still very much in this timeshare. I have Aaron Jones in my playoff push for one of my fantasy leagues this week, so I'm going to really need him to be great this week. Uh, other than that, I don't really want to do this in uh, from a DFS perspective outside of j- big tournaments. Jones has monster upside of we've seen multiple times this season and it hasn't changed the opportunity. Right. So like, I, I only mention that because yes, he's got like, this is not a guy you can look at like past performance and translate these like huge yards and touchdowns one-to-one into like week over week consistency when it comes to DFS stuff, because they still are just very much in the, these guys are going to split carries uh, and split snaps uh, between him and Jamal Williams. So just keep that in mind against what I, of course I understand to be a great matchup against the giants. And then the Giants, they got Sterling Shepard back. Um, they they still stink. I just this is not. I Saquon Barkley. I, I they still give the ball to him a decent amount. I quick loss on the Giants, and we'll get out. We'll get move on from from this game. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I certainly, if we're talking cash game stuff, it's hard to imagine trotting any Giants out there. Uh, even Saquon, man, he can be back. He can be as healthy as he wants to be. But if he's only going to touch the ball 17, 18 times a game and be terribly ineffective when actually touching the ball. I don't he's just not this like he's not the guy that people drafted first overall at the beginning of the season, right? Like we can say yep. that I think pretty all all sample size issues aside when you just get 2 yards a carry for 40 carries like I, I think yeah, I think we can we can pretty safely say so. I well, I get a, dreaming about big tournaments, but jeez man for cash games, no thanks. The offensive line stinks. The team stinks. It's just hard to be a good Nothing running to back. Nothing play for. No motivation. Yeah, like it's just hard to be a good running back when that's the case. Like I just I, I hate and high, to, high ankle sprain is no joke either. Like that's it's one of like there's a reason why people are like Barkley's a freak. He's going to come back earlier from this injury than everyone thought. It's like well maybe that wasn't the greatest idea. <laughs> right. Turns out he can, he's going to come back, but he's going to be the worst running back in the league when he does. So 
Um, Last one o'clock game, Cleveland goes in and plays Pittsburgh. This game has a very low total, uh, which makes sense that mm, Pittsburgh my Steelers Pittsburgh, grit and grind, buddy. <laughs> well, they're going to start Hodges after benching Mason Rudolph uh, last week. The offense has been a just total train wreck. The Benny Snell did t- see a lot of carries last game, but James Conner might come back this week. I'm not sure. Juju's clear, Yikes. C- Juju's clear concussion protocol. I just want no part of this game. I know we played the Browns last week. It was like it was one of these. This is one of these classic. Like we got the great matchup we needed for one week, and we don't need to consider these guys again. Like that's how, how I feel about the Browns. Yeah. Feels and, like we stole something. Yeah, and then so and then the Steelers. I just I, they're on their third string quarterback. No. It's been a total mess. Uh, any anything to even consider here? Um, I'm not even I'm not even loving it from the. I don't actually mind playing either of these defenses. By the way, for DFS, I, I think you can yeah, do that. Yeah, um, that's and that's kind and that's kind of just about it for me. Nope, I think that's it. I think you can play the defenses. Uh, there's nothing to be seen here. The Pittsburgh defense has been great since Minka Fitzpatrick came over, basically, and their offense has been. Just, Utter dog poop, Doug. I don't want to yeah. swear and mess up people's safety. Uh, and I don't want to make this NSFW or NSF for the holidays, but they've been. Yeah, when you're like when you're sitting around the Thanksgiving table listening to the podcast, you're just like, <laughs> yeah, you know? hey, honey, sh- I, I just need to hear about what they say about the Cleveland Pittsburgh game. Then you can get back to telling us what you're thankful for. Oh, thanks for cursing, James. I was, oh, the kids were listening. Okay, Come on. Uh, the <laughs> Rams go in and play Arizona. This is the there's three four o'clock games. This is the first one. They are three point road favorites against the Cardinals. Um, the the Rams, I just don't. Okay, I, I'm sure the, the Jared Goff thing is going to go down. I don't know. If it's going to be an all time mistake when it comes to um, in terms of just like contract and how much this guy gets paid. Uh, just another week of him just being inefficient. Uh, no no passing touchdowns. They randomly just like Robert Woods is like a random inactive the week before. Then comes back and has nine targets. Cooper Cup back got it back into the double digit targets. Only good for 35 yards. And we've long since talked about the problematic piece um, at running back. You know they only had, they were getting killed last week, so I get it, um, and that's why Gurley only had six carries. But now they do get a good matchup here against the Cardinals. I, if you hear me saying it, because I'm just unsure. I don't know if I don't know if this lands into the they've had a weird run with the schedule and they've looked bad, and this is a, still a very good matchup here against the Cardinals. Where do we want to land here with the Rams in terms of cash or GBP? Um, I think you're basically. Where I want to land in cash is probably pretty far away from the Rams. Um, I, d- I definitely don't trust Goff. I know this is like one of those matchups that you read about and people have been targeting the Cardinals all season. Hasn't worked quite as well recently, by the way, as it did earlier. Um, I think the guy I could think about playing would be Cooper Cup. Uh, Ten targets last week against Baltimore. Only turned him into six catches, but like some of the other guys we talked about, the Rams with those three straight really tough matchups, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Baltimore, they're probably greater than the sum of what they've accomplished in those three weeks. So I think the bounce back is coming. Uh, I think if you saw what Cup did against Cincinnati in his last good matchup, uh, you know what the upside looks like, right? 220 yards and a touchdown. So I think I'm certainly willing to dream on this for big tournaments. I would say that I don't know how many wide receivers I can play in this price range. Like if we assume that DJ Moore is absolutely locked in to cash games for us this week, which I think should be the case, uh, I think I like Devontae Adams better as just probably better raw underlying talent and strong matchup in his own right against the Giants. And um, yeah, then you're just sort of running out of money and slots for these guys. That being said, Cup, definitely super high on my list for big tournaments this week. Uh, on the on the Cardinal side, David Johnson, um, I just like pr- kind of like not part of the team anymore. Like he's like weirdly like not, sort of not on the injury reports, but then he just doesn't play. And so, but Kenyon Drake, well, okay, I'm going to assume Chase Edmonds. If, if Chase Edmonds doesn't come back this week, I think Edmonds is like is questionable this week. So the, the Edmonds piece would just throw too many cooks in the kitchen on the running back piece. But if he doesn't play, Kenyon Drake touched the ball 23 times last week 
or two weeks ago in a game where David Johnson was just active, right? Yes. Like he wasn't, he didn't sit out the game. He, Kenny and Drake played 61 snaps of the 69, uh, 16 carries, seven targets. Where do you put Drake here um, in terms of just like, like David Johnson light? Like they used him just like you were hoping they would use David Johnson this year and just have him because he's been, looks like he's dead. Uh, what are your thoughts here on Drake if Edmonds doesn't come back? Does that make sense? I'm, I'm, making, I'm being a very strong caveat here that the Edmonds thing would probably make it to bridge too far. But what are your thoughts here on Drake? Like these are elite touches. Yeah, they're elite touches. Um, I don't know if you how safe you want to feel about it. I don't know how great he's been on those touches uh, in the last two weeks. He's caught 12 balls for 19 total yards. So you like the points per reception. You don't like what he does when he actually gets the ball in his hands in those scenarios. Uh, Likewise, the carries have been pretty uninspiring. He's not exactly cheap either. Like he's $400 cheaper than Jonathan Williams. It's an absolute no-brainer to pick Williams over Drake for me. Uh, So I think for me, Drake is not going to be involved in my cash game situation. One thing that I interesting I read about, it was a tweet, I can't, I can't remember who sent it, but it was about David Johnson, and it was looking at going back to college uh, touches, and it was like the list of like all-time leading guys in college. It was like McCaffrey was at 1,000. I'm making these numbers up a little bit. It was like McCaffrey at like 800, and then like Le'Veon Bell or something like that. And then David Johnson had like 400 more than the next closest guy in college, and I wonder if people just didn't take that into account as much. Like, yeah, the wheels came off because it doesn't look like he has all the NFL touches, but if he just carried it for a full season and a half more than anybody else in college, then all of a sudden it does make sense that like because we've seen this happen with running backs, right? It's like when it's over, it's just over. Like you don't you don't get it back. There's like one Adrian Peterson in the world, um, and that's kind of like it. Or Frank mm-hmm. Gore, you know, like the the guys still are able to just get out there and chug along, but for almost everybody else, it's like when it's over you're dead like and that, and it doesn't come back and I wonder if David Johnson's like the college touches were just kind of gone under the radar in a way um that this just makes just it makes sense that it's just kind of the end for him so anyway I just thought that was an interesting stat that I hadn't really seen positive before but that makes it kind of makes sense when you look at like how little he's been able to do this season he's just like I don't know if it's ever coming back Oakland goes in and plays KC this game I wrote up Mahomes as the pivot if you don't want to play Wentz in cash they're 10 point favorites um do you see Mahomes as just a, I know he's a lot more expensive and we have Wentz and all these lineups, but we haven't talked too much about other cash game quarterback options, but Mahomes to me was the other guy that I think we'll see some ownership here, probably even more than Wentz. Um, thoughts on his overall safety, knowing that you are going to pay a lot more for Mahomes, and rightfully so. Yeah, I love, I love Mahomes. I would be thrilled to have him in my cash game lineups. And while Wentz, I think, is a cute and good play and could wind up being the savings that you need to really get there. You know, Mahomes is still the Cadillac of quarterback plays and, you know, didn't get it done against the Chargers last week. You know, you always want to ask questions when a guy has been injured for a while, but then you look at the game against Tennessee where he put up 446 yards and three touchdowns, and then you think it's probably not an injury thing, right? So I think Mahomes great. Um, Potentially underpriced here after a tough week too. So uh, getting him against an Oakland team that looks utterly defeated, and giving up on life against the Jets last week, I think Mahomes, right. you could probably lock him in for some pretty high upside and a high floor here. Yeah, this one's going to be a close one. I think what we, you know, if we if we walked into cash games this week and you saw we had Wentz at seventy three hundred, and then Mahomes was like eighty percent owned or something like that, like how you know, because right now it's. I'd be excited because Wentz would have already destroyed Miami in the one o'clock games, and oh, fair I'd be like, oh, Mahomes like, needs to go and <laughs> score thirty points just to match him. You know, it is um, like the different. You know, it is it's thirteen hundred more on Fanduel, and um, this is be another one that we probably end up talking about because like you're at that point just making a decision between like maybe like Zach. Ertz 
and a cheaper a cheaper one. I'm just making this up, sort of like what the, yeah. the difference is going to be. But like maybe it's like an Ertz to Greg to um, Jack Doyle kind of pivot, yeah. right? And, they, and that's the difference. So if it's like I Mahomes, could be talking to that. Mahomes and Doyle instead of like Wentz and Ertz, you're like, oh, okay, probably do need to roll uh, Mahomes at that point, right? Like it's just when you're looking at what is the ultimate safest piece of it. The injury news, and again, like this is this would be a pretty close decision for us, I think. Um, the other injury news is Damian Williams is not practicing in this week. I only mention this because he's a guy that if he was fully healthy going into this week, I, I'd probably play him in cash. Like they, they, they really turned to him three weeks ago and said, you're the guy. Like he carried the ball a ton and then he just got hurt. And McCoy and um, Darrell Williams came in and did some of that, that mop-up duty. Damian Williams, if but he's just not practicing. He would have been a guy at his price point, like especially on DraftKings, he's really cheap, like 5000 I would have been really fine playing him, but... And I, this might still be close. Like if he goes into Sat, if he goes into Sunday and is the, like has practiced the last at the end of the week, then I think you and I will talk a little bit about Damian Williams uh, just because of this price point. Um, any final thoughts here? I'm going to move on to the last game uh, unless you have something else to add. I like Williams. Good play. Okay, uh, and like and I think you could actually consider the KC defense here too. Um, Oakland is uh, Renfro's out for the season. Uh, the teams looked really really not like he's like a difference maker, but the teams looked really bad. I think some people will talk themselves into Josh Jacobs from a tournament perspective only because KC has really struggled against the run this season, and we saw this like with Derrick Henry um, that the game you can even be losing, and KC will give it up on the ground. They rank thirtieth against the run this season. So um, if, you, if you think that like the Oakland just turns, like, you think there's a game script where you can tournament stack um, the KC have to keep their foot on the gas because Josh Jacobs was actually able to get something done on the ground. I think that is a narrative that you can talk yourself into from a GPP perspective. You can't do it in cash, obviously, because they're just two two big underdogs. But like I said, KC has given it up on the ground this season. Final game. Uh, what's the final game? Oh, yeah, it's Chargers and Denver. Game has a 38 and a half total. Uh, Keenan Allen's double-digit targets uh, kind of back to doing that again. Mike Williams is questionable, so just you know, set your clocks to this guy just being hurt all the time. Um, but thoughts here on the Denver pass or the Charger passing game. My only concern with Allen, I love the I love the targets, and I'm concerned that Chris Harris runs shadow coverage out of the slot specifically where Allen runs all of his routes from, and I think that that would probably be the one reason I would say not a cash game play. Give me your final thoughts here, Chargers and Broncos. Yeah, I'd really rather not play, you know, run anyone into Harris this week. I think you gave us a stat that he had never allowed more than 50 yards receiving to anyone this season. And so, yeah. Allen, you know, I've been solid again the last two weeks. I would love to have Keenan Allen back in my life. You know me and you know our system. But we also know that this season in particular, Allen can disappear on you completely. Uh, the last time they went up against Denver this season, he caught four balls for 18 yards. So I don't know that this is where I want to be for cash games for sure. Right. Yeah, I think that's and then Denver side of it, um, they're still just rolling with the back quarterback. Um, yeah, not, not a playable th- offense. Nah, not really at this point. You know, the running back situation is they, they they the running back situation was already bad, and they're like not even really all that featured in the passing game anymore. So it was not already a situation you really couldn't play. Again, I actually don't mind either one of these defenses too. I think this is going to be uh, kind of a brutal game to watch. And if, but from that perspective, I think that especially the Charger side, I think there's upside on the Chargers D. All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site, DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you started on that premium, those premium projections we've been talking about most of this podcast, the, ch- the members-only chat we mentioned as well. Uh, it covers you for basketball, football, hockey, all under one subscription package. You're not going to get it sectioned off like by some of these other sites. And I like uh, we talked about this during the site during the the, uh, the podcast and kind of alluded to it. We're just giving out different projections than other people, and if you want to differ- differentiate. 
that this was just one place to start. Like, I don't like, I guess I'm just, I hate to like make it sound like I'm just us against the world sort of thing, but we're just not on chalk and often in a very good way this season in all sports. And yeah. I appreciate, and I, and I, and I, it's because we have a steady hand with this kind of thing and we just don't fall, uh, we just don't fall victim to DFS groupthink in a way that I think other places do. And um, I commend us for that. So if you want to go over and check out the subscription, you can do it for seven days for free. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started. No risk of that seven days. You just come over, check it out, and we think you'll be with us for the long term. Yep. We've, seen, we've seen our numbers just go back up this season. Like, I don't know. DFS is alive and well, folks. All right, DFSR.com slash deals, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your holiday today. Enjoy your week 13 of football. Talk to you next week. Peace.